This is April Mazza. And this is Christy Showman Fair. And this podcast is Overdue. We're friends and coworkers, librarians, librarians. And each episode, we talk about books we're reading, things we're loving, and library advice we're giving. Hey, April. Hi, Christy. It's so good to see you. It's really good to see you, too. Guess what, everybody? We are in the same room. We're together in person. It's, it's amazing. It really is. <laughs> um, it is also afternoon again, and if it you're is. a listener, you know we do better in the morning. <laughs> we did have some coffee, so hopefully that will get us through and um, mm. and make us as chipper as our morning selves. <laughs> I'm laughing because I feel like coffee in the afternoon is generally a bad idea for me, but... Oh, I'm a coffee 24-7 <laughs> kind of person. I think, we're, I think we're ready to go, though. I'm pretty yeah. excited because this is our... Ninth episode and our last one before we take a break. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be great. Yeah. And you may have noticed we had a little bit of a longer break between episodes than we normally do. um, And apologies for that. But hopefully we make this well worth the wait. um, And we're happy to be recording again. Yes, absolutely. Well, do you want to start with what book you were reading? Absolutely. So... I read, well, I listened to the audiobook for uh, Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. It is a grown-up book, so there, right there, is kind of an outlier for me. I don't tend to read a lot or even listen to a lot of grown-up books, especially audio, because I feel like they're way too long and I can't read them fast enough. Um, but this is one that was recommended by a couple different people, but um, especially by my friend Laura. And... Uh, I don't know what inspired me to, to check it out, but I did, and it happened to be around a time that I was starting to drive a lot more, and I was in the car a lot, and some crappy stuff had been happening in our family, and so I uh, needed something that I could really just shut off my brain, and this was the perfect book for that. It is, um, it's fiction, but it reads like an oral history of a band, a rock band oh, from cool. the 1970s, and so it's... There is a there is a narrator who um, is the interviewer, and we don't really know much about her um, uh, at the beginning. And then uh, she interviews uh, all these um, individuals from the band. So it starts with the six, um, and and then Daisy Jones joins later on. You hear how it all happened, and the cast is phenomenal. Um, Benjamin Bratt. Jennifer Beals, um, and I'm going to not remember anybody else's name right now, uh, but they're all distinct and interesting and really help flesh out the characters. They're um, just so so well done. And I found myself sitting in my driveway listening, wanting to listen all the time. Um, I was waking up a lot in the middle of the night and I would listen and just felt like I knew these people. Um, And then also around the same time, I actually had started to listen to... Um, Fleetwood Max rumors Ooh, just out one of, of my favorites well he, now you really need to listen to the book oh. because so I had been I had started <laughs> listening to it and then I um, I actually was forcing my kids to listen to and uh, which not really forcing but um, you know we were listening in the car and um, and then in the middle of the night one night when I was listening to the audiobook I had this epiphany I was like wait a minute some of the conversations that the characters have about particular songs and how the songs came about remind mm. me of some of the songs on Rumors. 
So then I did a little bit of diving into the internet after I finished the book to find out um, if the author had been thinking about mm. Fleetwood Mac when she wrote the book, and she did. <laughs> so um, I I felt super smart too. I was like, I made that connection all by myself, um, which I think was probably an easy connection to make if you have ever listened to any of Fleetwood Mac. Um, but uh, yeah, it just it was just the right book at the right time and just really well done. Um, they are making a TV show. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when I actually was looking up the, who the voice actors were, um, because I was very curious, I was trying to place one of them. Um, I originally found the TV actors and was very confused. Um, <laughs> actually, one of the characters, her voice sounds like um, uh, an actress who is on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It was not the same actress, but, um, but it did kind of get me involved into reading about the people and the process of making the audiobook. So oh, cool. I highly recommend it. I, I really, really enjoyed it, and it did feel real. It felt like it mm-hmm. wasn't fiction. Oh, cool. I will definitely check it out. So what did you read? So I read... You have a notebook. I oh, my do. Uh-oh. Oh, this is what happens when you <laughs> meet in person. Christina is my deep, dark secret that oh, I yeah. have a notebook. But that's just because I can't remember anything. Um, <laughs> so based on a suggestion, I can't remember from whom, but thank you. Um, I read The Lion of Mars by Jennifer Holmes. Oh, me. Okay, it was you. (laughs) Had you read it yet? Or you just were recommending it? I listened to it. Oh, that's right. Well, and also, I mean, Jennifer Holmes, like, does she really need someone to recommend her books to you? (laughs) I love, I do love her books. Um, And just like some of her other books, there's enough conflict in this one. It keeps it really interesting. Um, But in general, I just felt like I was drinking like a, uh, hot chocolate, you know, it's just very comforting and feels good, even though it does have, you know, there's tension there, so you have a good story. Um, and the line of Mars refers to this theme throughout the book that sort of starts with the cat that um, is in this particular Mars colony, but the book itself is about courage and pride and survival. Uh, so it's not like a really overt theme, but that's sort of what I got out of that and why it's called that. Um, the main character is named Bell, and he's an 11 year old. And I thought this was pretty interesting for the colony structure. It's not really parents and kids, it's, it's a group of adults and a group of children, and they're sort of all raised together. And um, you know, it's sort of like they're a, a family, but maybe not necessarily blood related. And you could really see how that could totally be the case in the future, especially where when you go to Mars, it's a one-way ticket. Um, and there are other settlements for, settlements for other countries, so that was the U.S. settlement, but they no longer interact with each other, talk to each other, and that's all the kids that live there have ever known. Like, they've never met anyone from these other countries, and they're basically, like, kind of frightened into never um, interacting with them. And that's where the conflict arises because something happens and it makes the adults get sick in the U.S. colony um, and the kids kind of need to take charge, which was really interesting in light of COVID because Mm -hmm. this was written before that, but you could sort of see a lot of similarities, including that like this was something that made adults get sicker than kids, at least at first. and so that was that was pretty interesting. And there's sort of a moral to this story, but I wouldn't call it a didactic book at all. And I, yeah, Christy's shaking her head. She agrees. Um, 
But I don't think moral necessarily is always bad. This book is saying that we can't fear each other and we have to be brave enough to work together for the best outcome. And that feels very much like today, even though this takes place in sort of the far future. Um, I really love the characters. They're just really endearing. I think that's one of her strengths as a writer is that character development. Like everyone was their own unique person. There's um, a group of teenagers. I think Belle is the youngest mm -hmm. of the group of kids. And so to sort of see what the teenagers are like through his eyes, and these are, you know, futuristic teens, but it felt very um, relatable, you know, that you could read this at any time. Um, and also, um, she did have a, an author's note where she talked about the inspiration from, I think it was her father, it could have been her grandfather, who was a fighter pilot. Do you remember? I don't. Um, it, it's been a while. But sort of relating that to as the precursor to space travel and mm -hmm. how that inspired her. And you could also tell she did a lot of research on this for sort of the science and technology that would go into living on Mars. But it also, again, doesn't didn't feel very technical it just was you know it's just like if you read historical fiction and you know a great author would add those elements in to to build that world and here it was just so happened it was the setting mm -hmm. which would be very very different from living on earth so I loved it highly recommend um I finished it really fast because I was just so into it and you listened to it right you I did it. yeah I listened to an um I think I listened to it on um Libro FM. Okay. Uh, yeah, through their library and advanced copy, listening copy. And um, and then I actually made it one of the model texts in my uh, children's lit course for this oh, summer. Cool. Yeah, because I, I just thought it was fabulous. Um, really well done. And I think I just recommended it to a friend for a read aloud, a family read aloud. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be really good for that. Yeah. Lots of good discussion mm -hmm. elements. I will admit that um, I kept waiting for there to be a lion. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's part of why I was trying to explain the title a little bit, because I didn't actually really know much about what it was about. I just yeah. sort of knew that, same, that same. you liked yeah. it, that people like it. It's Jennifer Holm, and so I just dove in. Um, but yeah, definitely check it out. Awesome. So next up is our Ask Us Anything, and this comes from one of our listeners, Anna, down in Florida. So thank you so much for sending in your question. It's, what's the funniest thing someone asked for when you were working with the public? And she actually has one because she is also a librarian, fellow librarian. Um, and um, this one was a book title, and I think this happens a lot. Uh, they asked for hillbilly allergy instead of the hillbilly <laughs> elegy, which I totally love. I think that's so funny. And we can put this on our Instagram because I did get permission from another librarian friend of ours. Had a photo of a like an insole from a shoe and it says, Hi, I was in the library and was directed to the comfy chairs in the magazine area. It was comfortable. I took the sole insert from my left shoe and I think I left it behind. I won't be in town for another week. Could you please hold on to it for me? And they did. <laughs> and then luckily that person got it back. But if you work in a library, you probably are familiar with like, you know, people want pictures of dinosaurs, like photographs. They want yes. photographs of Jesus. So I did I did post this question on my Facebook page and got some 
hilarious responses, but there there are a few like that. You you've had them. On. Oh, I have so many. But I, I, <laughs> I when I was thinking about this, I actually was trying to think of ones that, you know, were funny and interesting, but not necessarily like indicative of maybe a, a challenge that the patron was right. Having. Or we don't want to make fun of right, people. right. But yeah. I I think that. The most interesting request I ever had was when I was working in my last public library job. I worked mostly at the reference desk, sometimes at the circulation desk. And one day, um, a regular patron came in and had brought a vacuum cleaner with her. Hmm. And she asked me if I would babysit it. Oh. Um, and I think maybe, <laughs> she didn't use the word babysit, so that's, that's me. <laughs> um, but I think maybe she was taking it somewhere else. To get repaired or something. Uh, I didn't get the whole story, but it was like I. She asked if I could watch the vacuum cleaner yeah. <laughs> while she used the computer. And then, one that's always stood out to me was somebody came in asking me to um, find prices for Annette Funicello teddy bears. Interesting. And this was like before eBay, so yeah. it it wasn't like there weren't there wasn't a place where people were selling them. And first of all, I didn't even know Annette Funicello made me teddy. neither. That's what I was thinking. She had a whole line. Like wow. it was a thing. And <laughs> I guess if you're a teddy bear collector, it was a big deal. Hmm. So that took a lot of time and hmm. a lot of learning on my part <laughs> about teddy bear world. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. Oh, so let's go through some of the ones people shared with us, because there are some good ones. I did love, um, is there a book to see if you're addicted to cheese? And I would definitely be a yes in that book. A kid strolled up to me one evening while I was on desk and in a very serious, trusting way asked me, do I have a booger up my nose? As he lifted it in the air so I could check. (laughs) (laughs) This is from Kathy in Michigan. Hi, Kathy. Oh, I like this one, too, from Courtney. Sweet older lady on the phone. What is woke? What is cancel culture? Had a nice discussion. I like that, actually. <laughs> what a great opportunity. And I, yeah. I actually really appreciate that somebody would call the library to ask. Yeah, they were smart to do that. Oh, here's another good, like, mixed up book title. A teen asked if we had the book How to Kill Mockingbirds. Her friend had recommended it. And that's from <laughs> our friend Suzanne. I actually I, think I've seen that as a cartoon. I, like saying, a cat I would love somebody like, yeah. to write that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have, um, what's the drinking book? Tequila Mockingbird. Oh, yeah, I have Tequila Mockingbird. By, uh, I think Tim we've Federley. actually talked about this on the podcast before. <laughs> <laughs> April likes I liked this one, too, from Natasha. I had someone call and ask me to look out the front door of the library to see if the Mexican restaurant down the street was open because no one was answering the phone. (laughs) I think I would totally do that. Oh, she had another good one. I also helped a happily drunk man find cool fonts for his next tattoo, and he offered to make it my name since I found some good ones for him. (laughs) I think that's pretty funny. That would be a funny tattoo story. You'd be like, why does your your arm say Natasha? <laughs> <laughs> um, this one's from my friend Bob, who's actually a drama teacher at our old high school. Um, hi, Bob, if you're listening. I had a student ask me once while doing a lesson in the library, how slow was the internet when you were a kid? I bet that's why they had to have all these books to look things up. <laughs> I think I did, I did once get, it was actually one of our high school pages asked me um, how I did on the SATs and I was like oh honey like when I took them you had to take it with pencil like you're taking it on a computer like (laughs) it's very I'm sure you'll do fine (laughs) it was a long time ago I don't remember (laughs) pencils 
Who um, has pencils? <laughs> I know, number two pencils. Fill in the circle. Me. Um, Me pencils. Carly, um, I like this one too. My marshmallows are too hard. What do I do? And there's actually solutions for that. So I hope I hope you found that. Oh, let's um let's wrap up with this one from Karen. Um, because it's really sweet. I was asked by two of the parents who came to Story Hour with the kids if I would be willing to get licensed to marry them. I was. I did. It was very cool. That I think that's very sweet. Awesome. It's definitely an original ask, yeah. but a good one. And if one. you have any stories about, especially if you if you work in a library, interesting things people have asked you, or if you've been in a library and either observed or you've been the asker, we would love to hear about them. You can email us um, or any questions you have about libraries to thispodisoverdue at gmail.com. So April, what are you learning right now? Or what have you learned? <laughs> you know, I struggled with this for a little bit, but um, I was given a gift from my friend Marcella of a text <laughs> from a cartoon from The Oatmeal. You know The Oatmeal? Oh, yeah. yes. Um, so that's a website with cartoons and a blog and a few other things um, written and illustrated by Matthew Inman. And she had sent to me and another friend, um, we need to have a conversation about wombats. So that's why I laughed when you talked about wombats earlier. <laughs> this always happens to us. Oh my gosh, I love wombats. You do? Well, did you know, well, they're marsupials. <laughs> She's totally giggling like crazy. We're going to have to stop this recording. Awkward animals. I love awkward so animals. So you might already know some of I this won't stuff. Say All right, well, for our listeners... Um, wombats are marsupials, like koalas. That's their closest relative. I loved learning this. A group of wombats is a wisdom. So cool. That is cool. I don't know yeah. if I knew that one. But the real fun fact is that they their poop is cube-shaped. I knew you were going to love this. Percy's <laughs> dying over here. I, this is just such a funny cartoon, by the way. This is all in cartoon form, all, everything I'm learning. So, like, it would... Talk about the poop, <laughs> cube-shaped poop. Is this your brain probably deleted a childhood memory in order to make space for that fun fact? So it's just a funny cartoon. I'll put the link in our show notes. Um, apparently they poop a lot. Did you know that, Christy? Yes. Yeah. If humans pooped as much as wombats, it would equal 33 feet of poop per day. That's a lot of poop. But why is there poop cubed? I read a whole article about this, but I don't think I remember it well enough to answer. And yes, I did read a whole article about it. <laughs> I just read a cartoon about it. Um, apparently, they stack them to like mark their territory and also to attract mates. Oh, I thought you were gonna ask what you meant, like like anatomically, like why did they come? Yeah, out? I didn't learn that from. Oh, I this. did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll see if I can find okay. it so we can add it to the I'm show. I'm definitely. Notes. I mean, it did talk a bit about their butts and like. They kind of actually have, like, these really tough butts. Like, tough they're really butts. hard. But, well, that's the thing. There's more alert about wombats and their butts. Um, so, like I said, I'll put the link in the show note. But it was, like, really fun to learn about wombats and then just that the cartoon itself is so funny. So one of my all-time favorite picture books um, that I have a copy, I bought a copy even before I had children, um, is Diary of a Wombat by Jackie French. Ooh. I highly recommend it to anybody. It is the most hysterical wombat. And I think that's where wombat, I became kind of obsessed. Actually, I lied. 
It oh. was when I, I went to Australia in 2001, oh. and I met a wombat. Wow, yeah. cool. So, um, and then I found this book. So, Christy, what have you been learning? I'm also learning about animals. Oh, oh cool. Uh, so, uh, as you many, many of you may know, uh, summer is when Shark Week happens. Ooh. And those of you who know me um, probably know that my 11-year-old's special interest is shark. We do a lot of talking about sharks in our house. Discovery Channel does Shark Week. And this year I learned that National Geographic does this thing called Shark Fest. And they actually created a whole little like kind of package of uh, documentaries and TV shows on uh, Disney Plus that you could watch. And we don't have Discovery Channel, so that's what we did for, for Shark Week. I put in quotes for shark, <laughs> for shark time uh, this year. And I really, really loved it because it was focused on the science. They did a lot of interviewing of scientists, including uh, scientists that we know of, because of course my 11-year-old has a favorite uh, shark scientist. It originally was Greg Scomal, who is um, out of Atlantic White Sharks Conservancy on the Cape, where we went last year for her birthday. Um, but she has a new favorite shark scientist, and that's who I want to talk about today. So the new favorite shark scientist is Carly Jackson, um, spelled C-A-R-L-E-E, and I will put a link to one of her sites. She is one of the founders of um, Black in Marine Science, and uh, one of the things that my 11-year-old loved about Carly, Ms. Jackson, uh, is mm-hmm. her blue hair. Ooh, cool. Super cool. But what the thing that stood out to me is that her research that they focused on in one of the documentaries we watched was about nurse sharks. And now nurse sharks generally are not super aggressive, but they have this new behavior that's a little disconcerting where they will come out of the water to get food. Oh, interesting. And what's led to that behavior is tourism. Hmm. So people who are going down to the Bahamas and go on some sort of outing and then they feed sharks. Oh, wow. So one of the documenters actually highlighted people who had been bitten by sharks and a woman was bitten by a a nurse shark because the nurse shark was trying to get food from Mm -hmm. this woman. But Carly Jackson was specifically researching to see if they put food on a step or on a ledge out, out of the water, if nurse sharks would come out of the water to get it. And they will. That's wild. Yes. And so what they're learning is that sharks are evolving to be able to come out of the water. Whoa! Yes. And oh my nurse... God, we're going to have shark people soon. <laughs> oh my gosh. And shark, nurse sharks actually can also use their pectoral fins to kind of walk a little bit. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. I've got to watch this documentary. It was amazing. <laughs> if you have Disney+, Plus. There was a shark fest kind of like grouping, okay. but Carly Jackson was highlighted in a couple of the different episodes. But I just thought it was amazing. And then the more I read about her work and the, the work that she's doing within marine sciences mm-hmm. to hold up other women of color who are in sciences in a in a realm that is one predominantly white but mm-hmm. also predominantly male. Right. It's just fabulous. And then an extra shout out, I found her on Twitter and I told her how excited my 11 year old was to uh, to see her on TV. Um, I shared a picture and she wrote back and cool. she just totally made everybody's day. That's so awesome. shout out to Carly Jackson and thank you. Woohoo. So Christy, what are you loving lately? This was a hard one for me to pick. And I think I say this every time. Like, I have a really hard time narrowing down what it is that I love and that I want to share. And I originally, when I was making notes, I was just going to say TikTok. 
partly because it's saved my sanity over the last <laughs> few weeks. Um, I can just shut my brain off. But there's something even better. Ooh. Last night, um, my husband and I jumped back into watching Making It, which is on NBC. Yes, it is Making a it. reality show hosted by <laughs> Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman. And it is about making things. So I didn't know it was back. Time. It is back. The new There's a new season. The episode we watched last night was about cookies, which mm. is just right up my alley. Cookie decorating and, and making fun things out of cookies. But then the the master craft was making lending libraries, like little oh, libraries, cool. but for other things. So, Very cool. Um, yeah. yeah, it was just really fascinating to watch. But the thing that I love the most about is actually that the interchange, the interaction between Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman. Yeah. They just seem to genuinely like each other. And they make a lot of really ridiculous, nerdy jokes. And so <laughs> I am giggling constantly. Even if I feel like I'm really down and I can't laugh, I, if we watch it, I... I end up laughing a lot. I'm just so grateful that it exists and they're super supportive of people. It's a, always a really diverse group of, of contestants from a variety of backgrounds. You know, they're not perf- always professional makers, but sometimes they are. Um, and I just, I just love it. It makes me happy. And I'm really, it's something I really, really need right now. Yeah, I love their rapport too, which was part of what rapport, I love. Rapport, what a good word. Thanks. <laughs> it's actually one I remembered. <laughs> Lately, that's been hard. Yes, they have a nice rapport. But also, like, and I thought that on Parks and Rec, so, yes. like, it kind of reminds me of that. But like you said, it's a, they're supportive of everyone. It's not like one of those reality challenge shows where everyone's, like, battling each other mm-hmm. and undermining each other. So. No, it really feels like... Um, a successful interpretation of the Great British Baking Show. Yes. I yeah. felt like the American version was not, mm-hmm. but this is. Yeah. And it's just a different media yeah. and or a variety of different media. And um, it's so lovely. Oh, I'm so glad it's back. And what do you love? Well, I actually had a hard time with this too. And I, it did make me think back since this is our um, sort of season finale. Like, what else have I talked about? And I didn't want to like talk too much about YouTube <laughs> things or you know too much about TV shows, too much about a product or something like that. Um, so I was I was trying to think you know make something a little more original, but also a true love. And um, it's actually a, an Instagram account or person or an Insta influencer, <laughs> um, Plant Queen. Uh, and that's spelled K W E E N. Uh, this is. Actually, they're, I don't know their last name. This is um, someone named Christopher that goes by he, she, or they, them. And so they're a Brooklyn-based black queer femme queen, K-W-E-E-N, obsessed with the botanical scene. So there's probably a rhyme in there, but I kind of ruined it by (laughs) spelling it out. Um, I love their style so much. Um, And their personality that shows through, I mean, just sort of like shines right off my phone all the plants on this Instagram account are so lush. Like, their place just looks like this amazing jungle paradise. Christopher's outfits are absolutely amazing. Like, I even need a better word than amazing. Um, bright colors. Yeah, go <laughs> look up while I chat. <laughs> bright colors and prints and sparkly heels. And and that's what uh, part of what I love about it. It's just this, like, gender fluidity. Or even more than fluidity. It's like 
throw gender in terms of clothing out the window. Like dress how you want to dress, dress the way it makes you feel good. And just also they have a super bright, happy smile. So it just makes me happy when I see their posts. It's sort of, it's just infectious. Um, Plus I learned great plant care tips and we've talked about that on the show before. Um, We're both kind of getting into our, our little gardens and they also just have a really great supportive attitude about you know working with plants one one thing from an article um, that they had posted was something about not you know really not believing in this green thumb idea and I do kind of always say that about myself like oh I don't have a green thumb Um, but Christopher says I encourage folks to think of it as a green muscle and so you're working to get to a point where you know the plant works well with you and your space and I do love that because you can work on a muscle and, yeah. and strengthen a muscle. So I'm going to kind of change my thinking about that. And I just learned that they have a bunch of playlists on Spotify. And I love a good curated playlist. Oh. Um, and that's also how I discover new music is by, you know, following, you know, friends or people I don't even know um, and looking at their their playlist. So if you have Spotify, just look up Plant Queen. There's four playlists right now there's the pride playlist so just you know music that's very celebratory lots of dance music a big variety like from madonna to up to more current music then there's instrumental mood (laughs) m-e-w-d so that's why i have to spell these out but i just love that the mood um sometimes you're in a mood and sometimes you're in mood but the instrumental mute is when you just kind of need a break from words and voices. And that, I like that description of it. It's great background music. And then there's Escape Elegance Extravaganza. And this is more like playful music. It's to get your spirit pumping. Artists like Lizzo and Janelle Monet and Beyonce. Um, and then Morning Mude. <laughs> and this is chill wake up music. So like some upbeat jazz stuff. There's Nora Jones. There's Jill Scott. Also nine to five from Dolly Parton. <laughs> so get yeah, just like good variety. Um, you know some stuff I already knew I loved. Some that was new to me. And I love these different kind of. They are different moods and purposes for these playlists. So I was listening to a bunch yesterday, depending on on my current mood. <laughs> That's awesome. I you know what I never really thought of Spotify as a place to follow people that I like and their play like I, I've spent a lot of time curating a playlist in the last couple of weeks because um, I'm going on vacation and mm-hmm. so uh, we're going to the lake and we don't have good internet and so I was going to download a playlist so basically I've tried to put music that everybody loves that that's going um, there are seven of us and um, it is the massivest of massive playlists <laughs> ever um, and but now I'm like really curious oh, yeah. and go and find other people's playlists yeah well and we just had someone on our youth list serve had posted about uh sort of how they're doing their teen book group and it, it's sort of not so much a talky book group but they were giving out these totes with books and other goodies for teens in them but also including um spotify playlists that the librarian had made for each of the books and I oh, love that yes. idea. So super creative. And like, if you're into music and, and, you know, thinking about like, oh, if I could make a playlist for this particular book, what it would be like, that would be a super fun, yes. creative idea. For some people that might be daunting, but I oh, love this idea. Great. And I mean, I maybe like exposing myself a little bit, but I, so I did read the Twilight books. 
I will. Well, who didn't? Okay, good. So I, but I will. I, I will mean, reserve maybe like my book. like review judgment. For, <laughs> but one of the things I loved about it at the end in the author's mm. notes there, is that um, Stephanie Meyer always included a playlist that uh, inspired, or at least that she listened to while she was writing the books. Yeah. And I discovered a lot of music that way. Yeah. So I, I music and and reading and and. Mm-hmm is so intricately tied to me. I Creative so, yeah. creativity. Right, yeah, absolutely. So before we wrap up, I just had a quick little announcement. This is April and I'm gonna be taking a little break, a leave from work for a few weeks, which means I won't be on the podcast for a bit. Um, Christy and I are going to still be talking about books and we'll record that, um, some things ahead of time and drum roll, please. (laughs) We're going to start having guests or I should say Christy. (laughs) We always wanted to have guests on the, um, podcast, but now seems like a good time so that she doesn't have to do this on her own. Um, have some special guests for a few weeks and then I will be back. Um, and, and actually this is like the hardest part of taking a break for me is not doing the podcast because I love it so much and I love working Especially with Christy. Especially we can actually do it in person. <laughs> I know. But it's going to be great and you're going to get a chance to hear from other people, um, some of the books that they love, um, what they're learning and what they're loving as well. So um, if you have, uh, if you're interested in being a guest, you can reach out. Um, if you have a recommendation or if you have questions that you would like me to ask. Um, of our guests um, when it happens. Please email us at thispodisoverdue at gmail.com. And don't forget to check us out on Instagram. Instagram, that's right. Also, this pod is overdue. And please subscribe wherever you're listening. That helps get other people to know about uh, our podcast. And uh, feel free to share with your friends and And enemies. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody has enemies. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to This Podcast is Overdue with Christy and April. Bye, everyone. Happy reading. Our podcast music was provided by thepodcasthost.com and Alidu, the podcast maker. Find your own free podcast music over at thepodcasthost.com slash free music. shaped cube. <laughs>